0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Coyazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Coyazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, man? It's going great. Moving along today. That's great, man. Yeah. Today's been super productive for me, so I'm pretty happy about it. Um, But I think that we're really going to love today's guest. I'm sure. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. She uh, can definitely crush it. I'll let you uh, tell more about her because she's such a a great lady in, in the arena of co-working space. I can't say enough about her. So. Yeah, and,
0: and for those of you guys who, who don't know who we're referencing, her name's Tanya Hahn. I actually met Tanya, I want to say, two years ago or so. I actually did one of my book launches at her co-working space, Yes Working. Uh, awesome, awesome person. Uh, she's not only the CEO of Yes Working, but she also runs a marketing company in town uh, that works a lot with small business owners in order to build their uh, marketing presence uh, in the market, but in today's podcast episode, we focus primarily on the co-working industry, uh, one industry that I think is poised for a very expansionary type of growth over the next decade or so. Uh, I think with more and more offices, uh, especially long-term office leases, shortening in time frame, people aren't going to be going into a 10-year lease or five-year leases as was more as common. I think the co-working industry is poised for a very good rebound, and that's really what we dove into today. Um, and really, what we focused on was how did how did they adapt during the COVID nineteen pandemic? Obviously, for those of you guys who were listening to this after the pandemic has already been completed, uh, we did record this during the pandemic. Um, so she had to learn how to adapt and survive through a once in a lifetime type situation that. Impacted the co-working industry more so than in other industries. Uh, we also dove into some of the concepts about what it, what what to look out for, in particular if you're looking to start your own co-working space. She obviously had some lessons that she had learned through her experiences that she wanted to com- compart to people who were looking to do the same. And then we just kind of talked a little bit about uh, various different things related to um, how she's she was able to identify the deal that she ultimately purchased and turn into a co-working space. And actually part of the co-working space in the back in particular, she converted to an Airbnb and then to a long-term rental. And that's part of the reason she was able to uh, survive during the COVID-19 pandemic. But overall, I think it was a very, very in- enlightening uh, discussion. Uh, obviously, Tanya is one of my favorite people. So I, I, we really did have a great discussion. And I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about the podcast episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast. All right, hey Tanya, it's great seeing you as always. Welcome to the the podcast. Yeah, welcome,
1: welcome Tanya.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And so Tanya and I actually go a ways back, and we've known each other for quite some time. And I actually did my book launch at at our co working space, so I think that this uh, podcast is really going to be uh, quite informative. But uh, just to start out, what we usually do is we like to learn a little bit more about the people that we're interviewing. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe you got your background and. Uh, I guess, we'll we'll kind of go from there.
2: Um, So I I started out as uh, graphic design, interior design, and I got thrown into Bosch Tool Corporation, hired my company um, to do packaging design for them, and I got thrown into marketing. So from there, I realized why I was designing for an audience, and then I went into marketing. So I have a marketing and business development company and a serial entrepreneur. I have real estate, co-working space, and then I do my own marketing and development.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I, and I'll, and I'll vouch for that as well, because again, like I said, uh, I've, I've been to a coworking space on several occasions. I've actually done my book launch at her event and she helped me with all the marketing and everything for the event. So she does some pretty awesome work on that front as well. So that's awesome.
1: So what, what did get you interested in the coworking industry? Like from how do you make that leap and
2: um, our business, I had a business with a partner and we were in a co-working space and just the the internet kept going down. Um, we were servicing some of the other people in there, like helping them get to where they needed to go, all of that kind of stuff. And finally, I just kind of looked at him and said, you know what? I'm done. Um, let's just go get our own space. Let's just, let's just go get an office ourselves. Cause I just can't deal with this anymore. And we landed, we found some commercial property, which we thought was gonna be one building. It ended up being three buildings. And um, he decided, he was like, yeah, I want it. And I was like, what are we gonna do with all of this? <laughs> and he's like, you'll open up a co working space. And I'm like, done. So that's how that happened.
0: So it was like nice. an accident. it was a, kind of like an accidental type of uh, yeah thing. It, it just necessitated the space, right?
2: Yes, it was accidental. But I think back in the pre-planning of my mind, when we go to meetings together, I'm like, "Dude, let's just get our own space. I'm so done with this place." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then we looked at property, and it was we thought we were looking at one building, and then they showed us the rest, and I just said okay, well, let's go look somewhere else. And he was like, nope, we're buying it. I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. And if, if, for those of you guys who don't know this, the, her building's located in a prime area of, of Louisville. You know, It's a very attractive area where a lot of people like to locate because of the restaurants and walkability, et cetera. So um, I think one of the things that would be kind of intriguing or interesting about that you could share with us is how did you, I guess, come across that deal, number one, and then kind of structure it. So that, you know, you were able to utilize it for whatever uses you guys wanted to.
2: So we were, we went out looking everywhere in Louisville and honestly, we did not have an agent. We just went out looking and the places we called with signs on the building that said for sale, we'd call them there. Oh, it's not for sale. And we would be like it, but we were looking at the sign. Yeah, it's not for sale. Like, okay. Um, So we went and got an agent that was his, one of his really good friends. And um, she's like, hey, there's a building on, you know, in the Highlands on Parktown Road. And he said, no, not interested. And I was like, man, come on. And um, so we went to eat at Taco Luchador on Baxter Avenue. And I said, hey, what's the building across the street? Let's go look. And so we went and called the agent. She showed up and I was like, oh, my God, this building's great. She goes, no, it's the building next door and it's the carriage house behind. I just was like, "Okay, we have to go. And he goes, well, why? And I said, I don't have the money for that. I said you hiding some money, and he's like, "Yep." I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so that's how that happened. It just he was like, "Yeah, we're going to buy it," and it was um, it was priced right for the area, but um, I negotiated them down quite a bit, and we were able to get it um, for seven hundred thousand less than what they oh. were having. It was a tough time. It was it was a tough time. It was 2018, middle of 2018, and I had done my homework. I've been in real estate investing groups for 25 years. um, And I thought I was going to start flipping property in 2018. Well, I bought commercial. So (laughs) (laughs) that's how that happened.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's that's interesting that you say that because a lot of people probably wouldn't have done the legwork on the front end to be able to get an understanding of what the real... Quote unquote value was. And again, it, not necessarily even what the value of the real estate was, but understand the, the motives of the person on the other side of the table. Because again, the value of the property may be higher, but if the motivation of the, the seller is different, that obviously can factor into what ultimately the, the purchase price is of that property. So uh, Absolutely. I think that's a great lesson to learn. And
2: while I found the, the person that was selling, I, it, through digging, I found out that they had purchased a massive piece. Of commercial real estate and they needed cash. Oh. So that's I, mean. <laughs> I was at the right place at the right time. So you know, could that happen again? I'm sure it could, but I was just at the right place at the right
0: time. But again, you you capitalize on the experience by doing the research, because I guarantee you most people wouldn't have done the research. They would have been like, oh yeah, this seems reasonably priced at what the what they were asking for. And they probably would have just gone along with, you know. Maybe offering maybe a little bit less than what the the purchase price was, but they I mean, again understanding the person's motivation, understanding that you know you could have capitalized on that opportunity, you did, and uh, so I definitely don't want yeah. you to undermine what you did because I think that was awesome. Really, well, and
2: my business partner did want to pay a little bit under what they were asking. I was like, nope, we're going to negotiate, and I said, how about you let me do the negotiation? He was like, okay, that's cool.
1: And that's Baxter and Barstow Road. Is that what you're?
2: Um, yeah, okay. we're at directly across from O'Shea's, um, oh, okay. Baxter Avenue, right where Bardstine Road turns into Baxter. Oh, okay. So we're, we're kind of right there.
1: Yeah. And I was just going to say for all the listeners and viewers here that, that, that is a very prime location for, for, uh, Louisville here in Kentucky. So kudos to you that you guys made that deal happen, uh, 2018. Cause for me, uh, looking in the commercial space back then and, uh, to find those deals it was it was pretty tough in 2018 for myself so that's amazing
2: i'm proud that i did do the legwork
1: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I mean, yeah i know
2: what what to do when i'm looking at other stuff like i'm looking at some smaller stuff um which i'm i'm finding gosh smaller stuff is just as much work oh yeah as bigger stuff
1: so yeah right yeah i mean that's i guess that's i mean that's the commercial industry right it's uh When it comes to doing the legwork so you can't know enough about it before you try to make the deal so yeah so when you were in these stages in your experience of of like starting up this space uh what was some of the struggles that you experienced
2: um basically um pricing membership pricing um it was all over the map i toured Everything in Louisville. I had been at one in Louisville. Um, I had toured a couple in Cincinnati. um, And it just was based, really, the pricing I found was like based on location. Um, And, you know, we were priced pretty much along with one of the major players here. And we just could not, we couldn't get very many members. And so when I came down in pricing, but I offered different amenities. Um, that's actually kind of what did it for us. Um, it's, it's odd, but I come from a very large family and I really like to cook. And so I would do, um, uh, once a month, Tuesday's lunch, everybody showed up once they found out I was cooking. (laughs) <laughs> and it would, it would just be a spread. I don't know how to cook small. So it'd be like Taco Tuesday or it'd be, you know, a t- meatloaf once a month with mashed potatoes or, you know, whatever it was. And people like here just kind of dug it. So oh, yeah. um, then, you know, COVID came and it was like, hey, can't feed anybody anymore. Yeah. So, but I mean, I have snacks and I have, I have a bunch of amenities and stuff like that. But really, it's kind of lower pricing. Um, and I'm always around. I have an office here. So I've made friends with a lot of businesses and I just started work for a company that moved out a year ago and they called me for some marketing, which I was, I'm grateful, but I was kind of surprised.
1: Yeah. it sounds like you have some opportunity costs coming out of it. So,
2: And other people did too. Other people that worked through yeah. different businesses, that's kind of what happened. But And oh, I sure. also do something a little bit different. Um, I found that marketing was a little bit tough. I did I open meetups to my space. If mm-hmm. you have a meetup group and you call me and contact me, your meetup is free. You can come here and have a meetup. Oh, nice. I just thought that was a great way to offer community and also let people see the space.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: That was a big struggle getting people here.
0: No, I can imagine, and again, it's 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 somewhat inconspicuous. It's not like something that you you know you can just. People just like walk up and say, Hey, I'm gonna walk into this co working space. I mean, it's just, it looks, it doesn't look like, you know, a generic, not generic, but you understand what I'm saying, like a, a right. co working space that you would just normally see and just will walk into, like a WeWork or something like that. So if, right. you, if you were just walking down the street, you wouldn't necessarily know that that, in fact, is a co working space. So the idea that you're doing that is actually a pretty smart marketing idea uh, to be able to kind of get people in the space. And I'll also say this when you did start, you know, the co working space, Understanding what the market would be willing to bear for price, pricing is something that I'm sure was was smart, smart on your part to realize. Hey, let me lower this price, and you started getting more traction on that front. Um, I'm sure that helped a ton. And then obviously community building, which is also huge on that front as well. Uh, you know, you're always around. Uh, people feel like they can talk to you about things that are there if there's any issues. And then again, you bring people together. They start meeting each other, feeling that's that sense of a community, community, and then they want to stick around. Uh, For a longer period of time, so that's that's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, and a a big struggle we had was 2020. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody left. I mean, and so I was so fortunate that a company in 2019 was having their building worked on downtown, and they needed space. And they were like, "We don't want to sign a contract. We don't want you know to lease anything for a year. We want to go month to month." And they wanted a whole floor, and I was like, "Well." you know, my second building right next door has hallways to the first floor and hallways to the second floor. And I said, huh, if you don't want to sign a lease in our property, how about I make you a member? I'll open the door. You can cross over, use the kitchen, use the conference rooms, use the, you know, the the printers, all that other stuff, use the TVs for conferencing, and I'll just make you a member. It's going to be a high price member, but I'll make you a member. Um, Because I did that that is what kept us afloat all of 2020. That rental only of the second floor. And that's the second building, the two-story building, 963.
1: So oh, that's smart. Was, yeah, very smart. Uh,
0: just being creative in the times. Because again, I'm confident that a lot of these long-term leases you see in office spaces are no longer going to be like five years, three years, 10 years. Like you're usually seeing people are going to want a lot more flexibility. So, and I know we'll get into the, end of the podcast. We'll kind of talk about the future of the coworking industry. And I think it's super bright, uh, for you guys. So, but I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and this is more related to the operational side is, is how do you, I guess, structure your services in order to kind of maximize the profit of your operations? You
2: know, 2020 has been a hard hit on that. Um, Again, I think our services, we do a flex space, which is bring your laptop, sit down, and we do part-time, full-time. Um, whereas part-time used to be $100 a month for 25 hours. Um, and what we did for when 2020 hit was, and just pricing structure, um, we went to $80 a month, um, 25 hours a week and three hours of conference room time. Normally part-time people don't get conference room time. Mm-hmm. And so um, full-time was uh, like two, I think it was like 200. We'd lowered that to 120 um, for full-time, which is 24 seven. And then that's it, bring your laptop, sit down. Um, and then you got more conference room time on top of that. Then we had dedicated desk, which is on our third floor um, where it's your desk, nobody can sit at it. And we lowered that substantially. That was about $350 a month, and I think it's too, I think it's $275 or $295 right now. I can't remember. Um, and then we have locked offices, and our locked offices went from $800 a month to $500 a month. So um, that's how we made it profitable in 2020. Um, probably July of this year, I'm going to raise my prices. The membership is what drives it. And, well, then I can't say that. Um, we do events where people can rent events um on nights like saturday nights um we do like showers baby showers that kind of mm-hmm. stuff where they can rent the first floor on a saturday night or a sunday um and that's been profitable for us but i've found i'm the one running that show <laughs> and that's a lot of work that's a lot of marketing a lot of coordination um and again we're very small this is like a, this is a three man company mm-hmm. so you know, it's very small. I mean, this year I'm probably hiring somebody to take that over for me because I do so many other things.
1: So. But well, speaking of the systems and stuff, you have the people, but is there any like software that you're using or uh, anything like that? To-
2: yeah, we use, um, wave for our accounting instead of QuickBooks. Um, and we sign people up through our wave system and they automatically pay through there. Oh, okay. um, and then we—the one thing that I really like—I have a friend who has—he calls it a co-working space. It's just down the road, um, 31E. I did all their branding for them, but it's all—it's all locked offices. There is no common space. Um, but he uses key fobs, and I was like, "Oh no, no, no! I am not keeping up with key fobs." So yeah. we use an app called the August app. And it is an app that we put a lock on our front door and we only want one point of entry. So we know who comes and who goes and people just sign into that app and it just opens the door or closes the door. And I can give people um, availability based on their membership. Okay. And so I really like, really like the August app a lot. And
1: so is that like a Bluetooth or is that Wi-Fi yeah. or something? Okay. It's,
2: yeah, it's Bluetooth. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It mean, that, that sounds like a pretty neat, neat setup that you have. And do you have people, I guess
0: that you, you're, you, you said you're a three-man crew right now. Do, yeah. Does anyone else have any coworker responsibilities at this moment in time, or is it more primarily just fall upon you? Um,
2: I have. Well, I mean, I consider them on my my team. Somebody cleans, and they have to go through and see if everything's there. But, I mean, I give them other duties besides cleaning. I, and I think I told you this when you were here. I don't drink garbage coffee. And so I buy very expensive coffee and I have coffee pots, I have French press, I have pour overs, I have all of that. Um, So they have to make sure all of the coffee is stocked and I want good stuff. I have tons of different kinds of sugar and all that. And all of the, um, I guess, snacks are stocked. Um, And because we're COVID, everything has to be individualized now in packets by itself, which is fine. Um, But I make sure all of that is stocked. Um, That's their duty you know and then the, the the grass cut all of that kind of stuff picking up garbage that stuff um so they take care of all of that and then i take care of all like the admin stuff meeting greets the um i guess the tours and i'm handing off the tours to them as actually this week
0: that's awesome yeah and i'm sure yeah. as, as foot traffic comes starts coming back i think that's going to probably be beneficial for you because it's going to probably take up a decent amount of time Throughout the coming months. But so one of the questions I i mean is relevant to this particular point in time is that obviously COVID has affected the co working industry more than most other industries, uh, understandably so. So I guess what are some of the ways that you've been able to adapt throughout 2020, now leading into 2021 uh, as things start opening back up?
2: Well, and you know, I did have people that came during COVID and they asked, you know, do you have COVID protocol? And I said, I do. So in every room, um, on the first floor, there's the first two rooms you enter, then there's like a common room with a kitchen and there's a huge big back room. So in every room I put up COVID standards, how many people can be in this room and how many are per table. And so I did that in every room. And then I have gel, sanitizers, face masks. I'm still on COVID protocol. So to enter my building, you must wear a mask. Um, and I have like alcohol wipes in every single room. People were really surprised I was doing that. And I I was shocked. Um, and so I had some people that just said, oh my God, I got to get out of my house. I just need to be here for a month. I just need some flex space. So those little little people that trickled in, they actually told other people, hey, I know there's somewhere you can go that's COVID safe. And so that just by me with that protocol, that has actually helped. Um, and I still had people calling. They, they said, are you still under... COVID protocol. And I said, I am. And so basically it's, if you're sitting at your table, you can take your mask off. If you get up, you have to put your mask on and you must wipe down anything you've touched. I have wipees everywhere. And like I said, I'm here. If I see that you didn't do it, I'll just go do it. You know, and I remind them nicely. Hey, (laughs) yeah, can you wipe that down?
1: (laughs) Definitely. I mean, that's the only way, right? I mean, you, we have to protect each other and everything during this time. And have to adapt. So, kudos to you. That, that's that sounds great. And-, and I think you kind of mentioned
0: earlier in, in the talk was related to um, adapting with you know the the office on the second floor. Again, yes. it's like you look at you look at the situation. You look at your P and L. You try to get a feel for what your expenses are, whatever else. And then I'm assuming that's part of the reason you were able to rent it at whatever the price was. The price you quoted was something that you know was able to kind of float you throughout this this time frame. And Again, in any type of unprecedented event like this, which is, is once in really a once in a lifetime type of situation, uh, being able to be flexible and you know coming up with something on the fly could could I mean obviously has helped you guys through this this pandemic and again I think going forward it'll definitely pay dividends. So,
2: well, and I mean that you know I don't mind the, on our second floor in that other building that normally rents for twenty eight hundred a month. Um, and again, they were, they were like, we, we just want some place to go. We, we're only going to be here for a month. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, so I lowered it significantly and just made it inclusive of everything. And, you know, and they were like, oh, we, we really like this space. Um, we don't think we're going back. I'm like, uh, I'm going to need you sign a lease. <laughs> and they're, yeah. like, they're like, no. And I said, okay, then I'm going to have you sign a six month membership. And so they signed a six month membership and they just re up for a six month membership. But that's literally what floated us because again, out on our property, there's three, there are three pieces of property and the property out back is a carriage house. And so we were Airbnb that. So again, COVID came and it was like nobody was traveling. So I had to turn it into long term rental and I would get a whole lot less for long term rental, but it's still, I had had money coming in. So it that was, wow, that was a, an S show. That was awful. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally just rented it to somebody two months ago on a long-term lease until December of this year. But they happened to be a remodeler. So I cut them a little bit of a break. Now they do maintenance on all of my buildings. That was written into the lease.
0: Nice. That's smart. And then again, yeah. at, at, at that December timeframe, you can revisit it. And I'm, I'm assuming at that point, uh, again, Airbnbs are already starting to get booked up. So I feel yeah. like, you know, by December, you know, if you, if you decide you want to go back to the Airbnb route, I'm assuming that he's probably going to remodel some of the components of the building. I mean, that could be a good situation for you guys to be in and then take 2022 as, a, as, a, as an opportunity for you to really expand your, your Airbnb presence. So that's awesome.
2: And that's one of the amenities we had too. We also said in our co work space, when we had Airbnb going, if you come in from out of town and you want to work in a co work space, but you need a place to stay, you can book that all at one time. You can stay in our Airbnb and walk 30 steps and be in the co working space.
1: Nice. Since uh, we're in COVID and everything, how do you see, like, foresee the, the progression of the co working industry and what is some changes and innovations that you're, you're going to carry on to the next few years, I would say to. Um,
2: you know, it, it, it really helped when we had that on our Airbnb that we mm-hmm. are attached to a co-working space. That was honestly, that was, I thought about it. And I was like, Hey, that would be a good thing to have, but that was a stroke of luck in just marketing. And so we're, planning on doing that in January of 2022, because that really helped us moving forward. But not every co-working space has that luxury. Um, So that was one of the things I definitely will implement. Um, We're doing more community stuff. I'm gonna start opening up to more community items. Like there are so many groups that are gonna start meeting up in person with like 10 people or under. I'm just gonna open my space to more of those people because what ends up happening is they book events and Raphael's right uh co-working is gonna i think is really gonna grow massively because i get calls all the time that say hey my building's not reopening and they're just gonna let me stay at home and i cannot work at home i, I can't be here 24 7 you can't get anything done so oh, yeah. I, already, I already have like four other people who just signed up last week because of that alone
1: yeah i mean working from home alone uh for me, uh, for example, I mean, I do a lot better when I have an office offsite. Uh, your focus is there, right? You're, you're you're not at home, and I mean, the business owners that I've talked with, j- just for them alone, getting an office, they're like, you know, my productivity went up ten times. Just yeah. So it, it's it's I can definitely see the growth from from here on out for sure. I mean, downtown Louisville, I mean, there's a lot of buildings that are are hurting and. May not even get back to full capacity, i mean yeah. there, there's quite a few businesses so
0: and i'll and I'll even echo that as well i mean and i I think even more so on the suburbs of of major cities because again, you see a lot of these larger corporations rethinking their large central business district office presence. i know j p morgan they're they're putting up two massive buildings in New York City. And they're, they're no longer going to have like an, a, a distinct office presence in, in those two buildings. And I think that's going to be a trend you see across the nation. And one of the benefits of what, what, what you referenced is that, you know, you, you think of all these satellite types of offices where, you know, most of these people that are, that are going to be going to these co-working spaces live in the suburbs. So they may want somewhere close to home that they can go to and they can work. And again, you can't underestimate the value of community you know, a big part of the reason why people like being in an office environment is because obviously they can focus on their work when they need to, but they also have the the ability to connect with coworkers and, you know, build that, those relationships with people because we are social creatures. I mean, it's inevitable. People are going to want to get out there. People are going to want to be in a, in a setting where they can interact with others. So yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think the coworking space in the co-working industry is going to do like a hockey stick growth growth. And again, it's, it's already gone through a major transformation, even from, from its inception early in the two thousands. I mean, it's grown rapidly, but I think it's, it's going to be accelerated in the future. So absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess this is more so related to someone who's just starting out. So if you were able to start all over again, and I know that sounds, that sounds yeah. exciting, right? Yeah. Going through the whole experience all over again. But if you, if you could start all over again, knowing what you know now, like what advice would you give to yourself?
2: I would look for high traffic areas, um, areas where it's walkability, uh, food, um, restaurants, bars, um, fun stuff. Uh, again, well, I mean, I, I did know the Highlands was a place to be, um, but just some, somewhere where people want to be, you notice a lot of people there that are walking. Um, that would be my number one thing. Um, the other thing that I would, you know, it's kind of hard. And I guess, you know, I, I dealt with it before at the co-work space I was at, look for parking um, because a lot of, I would say, mostly younger, have had a lot more younger people say as they're parking. Um, I live in the Highlands where this co workspace is at, so I'm used to there is no parking. Um, but I've lived in bigger cities, Chicago, Philadelphia, so you just know there's no parking and deal with it. Um, but the co workspace I was at before, there was no parking. It was street parking, and I was used to it, so I didn't care. But people care about that. So um, again, fortunately for me, COVID came along and the street opened up, they closed down all of that, no parking from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., it got rid of it. So now I have free parking out front of my building, which is awesome. <laughs> um, so restaurants, parking, um, great amenities, like um, the amenities we have that, that I noticed that I had trouble with. It may be cool, it may be awesome, but the projectors um, where you set a projector and you can have a conference on the projector, At the other space I was at, the projectors, just half the time you couldn't find the cords, the cables weren't there. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing this. And so we bought massive TVs and put them on rollers so you could roll them from room to room and you could just cast your computer to the TV. Um, And that may not sound like highly innovative, but for me, I kept having trouble with the other space. I was like, no, nope, I'm not doing projectors. I refuse. And so we just found an alternative. And our TVs roll in every single room and we have them on every single floor. Um, but they're giant, they're massive. So, um, I would say look into that. What works for you? Like other people may find that the projector's awesome. I really found that it is goofy as it sounds, providing a meal once a month for your coworkers when you can. Um, so we did, um, marketing to where we traded a business. Um, we did some of their social for them. And they provided like Taco Tuesday for us once a month. So, I mean, it it all depends on how many members you have, but restaurants, walkability, parking, and provide um, good amenities. And that's what I would say. You know, I would say those are the biggest things. The number one thing, location, location, location.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And I, I really like the fact that you engage with other business owners to be able to kind of, you know, offset some of the expenses of providing some of these amenities. Because again, like you said, I mean, having the the once a month even meal, I mean, that that in and of itself adds a significant amount of value for people. And if you're charged, you know, one hundred twenty to one hundred and fifty bucks for the membership, and you get a free meal a month, and you get to use this awesome space with a bunch of amenities, I mean, that's essentially like you get, getting a gym membership or something like that, right? It's it's equivalent right. of the charge. Yet, you know, you get a lot of utility out of it. So, uh, yeah. having that value proposition be very compelling is is obviously. Uh, awesome advice.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I like to ask this question <laughs> to all of our, uh, people that come on the show and stuff, um, the most impactful book that you've read, uh, and it can be any point in your life that, that maybe is encouraged you to become an entrepreneur or, uh, and, and it could be anything. I, I'm just yeah. curious what, for you.
2: Um, there are a couple, um, and now I'm drawing a blank, but um, really, really old book. Um, gosh, I can't oh, I'm so bad. But the other one was Before I Work Week. Um, that oh, really yeah. kind of set me on my ear and Crush It, not crushing it, Crush It, the first one, by <laughs> Gary V. I just, I'm going to be bad here, but I thought the second one was just a rehash. Um, but Crush It, I thought was great. Uh, Lynchpin. Um, by Seth Godin, um, I thought was really good. I I read a lot, um, and I reread things over the years. So, um, gosh, old stuff, As a Man Thinketh. Um, gosh, I mean, really, I, I I read a lot, but I I just reread stuff. So,
0: you know, but that's that's great because you definitely hear a lot of people that are like, oh, I read like a book a week or whatever. But I I can't imagine that you can implement everything that,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, like,
0: if you read a book a week, I mean, the likelihood of you being able to implement that in your life is almost nothing. So in my opinion, it's better to read one book 10 times than it is to read 10 books one time because you don't retain all that information and you don't really retain all those those ideas. Obviously, you can pick out tidbits that may be valuable to you, but once you find one of those books that's like so compelling to you, reread it. I've reread certain books five or six, seven times. You yes, know, because I understand exactly. the value that they have, and it takes time to be able to process that, and then you know, be able to you know implement that into your your well life. So that's that's awesome, and, I, and I'll even I'll even say that the four hour work week is phenomenal. I also really like the Millionaire Fast Lane. I don't know if you ever read that book. Though. I
2: have not read that yet, but there's one. You know, I have a goofy I have a goofy habit. Um, I love little libraries. Um, and so yeah. I will go drive through a neighborhood. I've never driven there to see if there's a little library. I get out and I try to find a business book. There's yeah. too, rarely is there a business book, <laughs> but I found um um Phil Knight, um the Nike story, his book, his memoir. Shoe dog,
0: shoe dog, phenomenal shoe
2: dog. Oh my god, I had no idea. I had he robbed Peter to pay Paul like Constantly. And I never knew I never knew he was as down to earth as he was. Um, and that book like told me I was like, hey, huh, I must be all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he was he
0: was like a he was like a shoe distributor for a Japanese yeah. company, you know. It wasn't even yeah. like he came up with the idea himself, really. He started selling those track shoes that were the Fukuyamas. Yeah. I I can't remember what they were called, but he became the distributor and then they kind of like locked him out of the situation. So he had to like scramble to figure out. Yeah.
2: And well, he did, he did do that waffle, I guess the bottom layer of the shoe. He designed that.
0: With his coach. Yeah.
2: It was phenomenal. But I mean, just the turmoil he went through, you have no idea. And so when people, people say to me, Hey, you know, I want to be a millionaire in a year. I'm like, huh? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because you read his book and it was like, he wasn't really like financially sound until like year 18. Or I was just like, what? What?
0: Yeah. Well, he, went, he went back to teaching. I think he was teaching at like Portland State or something yeah. like for a while. Like, I mean, it was, yeah, he was phenomenal. It was, I mean, and, and and that's why I really like reading a lot of these biographies because you get a, a glimpse into what their life was when they first began. And obviously yeah. some, some entrepreneurs came from an entrepreneurial family or background and not to ro- steal anything from that, but again, you had a little bit of a. Uh, at least an an understanding of what it took. But in certain situations like, you know, uh, Phil Knight and, I mean, various uh, Sam Walton, like all these people who were just started from nothing. And then they just kind of figured it out as they went, but they just had this obsession with what they were doing such that they were able to turn the corner at a certain point. And that's what you see. You don't see the 20 years of turmoil and, and stuff they had to deal with. uh, But you see the, you know, the 20, the, was it the overnight millionaire
1: millionaire in 20 years?
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Which there, ne- there needs to be, that- that's for sure. Yeah. So.
2: Well, Think and Grow Rich, that one I've been reading yeah. since like, gosh, 1996, and I constantly reread it, mm-hmm. So, and I get something different every single time.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah,
0: that's that's one of those books that you read in sections, and I think one of our yeah. previous guests, Todd Walt, mentioned that book. And it's the same thing. Yeah. I said, you just read a chapter, you kind of contemplate that and think about it for a bit and then go to the next one and whatever else. So that's awesome. So, one of the things we like to ask our guests at the end of, of, of the podcast is if they contribute uh, something to the CRE Treasure Chest. Now, what the CRE Treasure Chest is, is it's a repository of, of resources that we have on our website that we provide to all of our listeners. Uh, and it's 100% free. It's just gives them the ability to be able to learn a little bit more about the, the commercial real estate industry. So I, I guess, what do you have to offer to the the treasure chest today?
2: You know, when you say resources, uh, I thought about this after we, we had talked about it a while ago. Um, of course I have my co workspace, and for anybody listening or anybody who's affiliated with you guys, um, all they have to do is mention the podcast and they'll get half off on a month membership, whatever membership they want. It doesn't matter. Um, and or locked office. Um, and then I have, throughout the years, collected resources of different things. So are you looking for um, something somebody can learn? Um, are you looking for classes, PDFs of information?
0: Yeah, PDFs, PDFs help a lot. Like a lot of the people that have okay. contributed yeah. in the past have just given like, like I think one of our previous guests, uh, I'll just mention Todd, just because he was one of our more recent guests. Uh, he provided like a template for you know structuring how do you approach a particular situation in the construction business? So it was just okay. more so his knowledge. He used he condensed some of his knowledge and provided it to the group as a, a free resource. But uh, okay. obviously the the coworking the co-working discount is awesome. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. You guys should definitely take advantage of it because it's an awesome space.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, and you can just put a link, I guess, to our web our website our coworking website. And when somebody requests a tour, it's usually an email, or they can email us. Um, we can, we can, I can see if they've mentioned the podcast or whatever, we can do that, but I'll put together like a little PDF of like, if you're thinking about starting a co workspace, what I talked about here, but you know, when people listen to stuff, they might forget. Um, so I'll put together like a, just a PDF of things to look for. If you're starting a co workspace. um, things you want to pay attention to. And I can send that to you.
0: That'd be awesome. Sure. No, yeah. I, and I know. And and again, like like we were saying during this podcast, I really do believe in the co working industry long term.
1: So I think that resource would be helpful to a lot of people. So yeah, thanks for that. We definitely appreciate it. And for people that want to get in contact with you for your co working space, and uh, or just just want to get in contact with you, where should we direct them? Uh,
2: well, um, you, <laughs> I have for my marketing, I have a very Interesting email address. And that's my at symbol. It's called Talk to the Han. My last name is Han, (laughs) H-A-H-N. Instead of Talk to the Hand, I made it. It's T-A-L-K, the number two. And then my last name, which is Han, H-A-H-N at Gmail. And that's all my at symbols at uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok.
0: That's awesome, and I will we'll, we'll be including all those yeah, we'll uh, in the in the show notes as well, so you guys can have access to them if you're listening on a podcast or watching on YouTube. Again, this will be uh, in the description below. But again, Tanya, I just really appreciate you coming by. Uh, like I said, we've we've obviously known each other for quite some time now, and obviously I know you provide a ton of great value. So I really do appreciate you stopping by the podcast. Absolutely, we appreciate you're it.
2: Welcome and if you all ever want to host your podcast out of here, come on, by. <laughs> let me know.
0: <laughs> oh, we will. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and we, we definitely need to grab coffee at some point soon to kind of catch oh, up. Cool. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you guys who are listening, like I said, on pod on, on the podcast or on YouTube, again, feel free to, if you're listening on the podcast, please give us a five star review. We really, really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, feel free to like, and subscribe to the channel we really do appreciate it. it helps the youtube algorithm make sure that more and more people can hear this information and uh we'll see you guys i guess next time